Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. We are so excited to be together with you live tonight. We've got a great show in store, so let's get rolling. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. I'm Kristen Harmel. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. On this week's live show, we are thrilled to welcome our second 2024 featured author of the month, Tia Williams, and to discuss our Friends in Fiction pick of the month for February, Tia's highly anticipated novel, A Love Song for Ricky Wilde, which, you guys, this book totally delivers. You need to rush out and get it if you haven't. (laughs) But first, before you rush out and get it, I want to give you a quick reminder to check out all the fun things going on in our Friends and Fiction community at Friends and Fiction. You spell out the word and. There you will find our show schedule and you should see that thing. It is on fire. (laughs) Details on any upcoming in-person events, which also are pretty amazing. Links to our bookshop.org page. Links to our Friends in Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa. Links to our merch store and book subscription box, which we'll talk about in a bit. And our amazing weekly email newsletter sign up. So in other words, if you want to know more about anything that Friends in Fiction offers, and we do offer a lot, (laughs) be sure to check out friendsandfiction.com. Okay, so we have quite a show in store. So let's introduce our featured author of the month. Is that me? That's you. Yes, ma'am. Tia Williams is a best-selling author of several novels, and according to NBC News, she is, quote, a writer's writer with a fashionista twist. In 1997, Tia moved to New York City to work as a magazine beauty editor. In 2004, she then pioneered the beauty blog industry with her award-winning site, Shake Your Beauty. (laughs) Later, she enjoyed a career as as executive editorial director at the Estee Lauder Companies. Her debut novel, The Accidental Diva, hit shelves in 2004 and received glowing coverage in Marie Claire, Cosmopolitan, Allure, see, that's a word, and the (laughs) New York Times. Her novel, The Perfect Find, won the African American Literary Award for Best Fiction in 2016, and the film adaptation starring Gabrielle Union debuted on Netflix in 2023 which was last year. How cool. So her novel, Seven Days in June, which we featured on the show when it came out, was an instant New York Times and USA Today bestseller, as well as a Reese's Book Club pick for June 2021. A TV series adaptation is in development with Will Packer Productions. Tia lives with her daughter and husband in Brooklyn, 
her new novel, A Love Song for Ricky Wilde, was just released earlier this month and follows the swoon-worthy love story of two passionate artists drawn to the magic of New York. Mm, I love that. Sean, without further ado, will you please bring Tia on? Hi, Hi Tia. Hi, again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are so excited to be here uh, with you to talk about this amazing book. And we know that um, our viewers out there are too. And I did want to mention to everyone out there, we will be taking your questions live tonight. So if you have anything you want to ask Tia, oh, just bought Tia's book today. That's oh, great. great. Uh, so please make sure to drop your questions um, in the comments and we will be grabbing some later. So Tia, a love song for Ricky Wilde is the story of the youngest Wilde daughter born into an Atlanta dynasty who chooses to forge her own path, opening the flower shop of her dreams in Harlem, where she meets a mysterious, handsome man who throws her, wor her world off its axis. This novel weaves through modern-day Harlem and the intoxicating Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s and follows these two artists through a unique and dreamy love story. So that's just a little about what this book is about. So can you tell us more? And can you tell us what it's really about? Oh, okay. Um, so if anyone who's read this book knows it's so hard to talk about it without spoilers. It is. It, it really, like, I almost couldn't do that little, like, what it's no. about. Because there it is really hard without, yeah. It's hard without giving it all away. Um, yeah, so it, it follows Ricky Wilde, who is... Um, the youngest daughter in this extremely aristocratic Southern family, um, generational generational wealth. Her family is in funeral homes and everyone, she has these three older sisters and they all played by the rules of her family. Ivy League, you know, married the right guy, the McMansion, the going into the family business, all of it. And she just does not like them. The only thing she's ever liked about funeral homes are the flowers. Um, and her family doesn't take her dream of being a floral designer seriously. So she sets off on her own, moves to Harlem, opens a flower shop in an enchanted brownstone and meets this mysterious musician. And they find out that their lives are linked in all of these mysterious, enigmatic ways that have a lot to do with a scandal that went down during the Harlem Renaissance time. So there's some time jump, you know, some back and forth there. And to me, it's what this book ultimately is about is, you know, not just surviving, but really living, finding a thing that you love to do because life is short. Um, it should be lived passionately and in a big way. And, you know, to be all about the pursuit of what, makes your heartbeat and status quo. Awesome. Oh, I love that. So Tia, before we do a deep dive into this book, which we're so excited to do because there's just so much to talk about, we have to know what is the origin story of this novel? Where did this inspired idea come from? It makes no sense. So I have insomnia. <laughs> That's and the best. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not for skincare, but yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> this, I was like, that, what even is this idea? So at like three in the morning, when I was doing um, promo for seven days in June, um, I was just like visited by these very disparate ideas. Not even ideas, like, like um, plot points sort of, or description. So it was like haunted piano, definitely a florist, 
a musician with a past, a gorgeous Harlem Brownstone, Harlem Renaissance, leap year and voodoo. Literally all of those things. And I was like, awesome. Am I having a stroke? Like what? Is <laughs> I, I was like, maybe, I, you know, and just as like a middle of the night creative writing exercise, I tried to weave a story out of all of those elements. And that's, that ended up being Ricky Wilde. Oh, <laughs> did you, now did you get up, did you get up and actually scribble something down? On my notes app on my phone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I actually don't, I never get on my laptop to write until it's time to write because oh, wow. it feels like it's too much pressure. It's like, it's time to work if I'm writing on my laptop. And so I can't like be breezy and about like brainstorming and writing notes. Cause I feel like this weight of seriousness. That makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I sometimes will wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my gosh, I have the most genius idea. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, that, that was, was so dumb. So yeah. dumb. Totally. I, horrible. With me, it's usually it's genius. And then I wake up, it's gone the next morning. But, uh, but at least I get to realize I was a genius at some point. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's very to be important. convinced otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Of course, you all know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so Tia, you are no stranger to writing fiction, but we have to say this must, this might just be our favorite book yet of yours. I mean, it is, um, it, it's just so different and you took what you were already doing really well, I think in a completely new direction. So you've maintained the romance and steam that readers loved in your sensation, Seven Days in June, while incorporating this fascinating historical timeline too. You talk a little bit about the process of writing this novel. Was it different from the novels you've written before? Yeah, this one was different because there's a dash of magical realism, which I've yeah. never, you know, played with before. Um, and the thing is, I knew that uh, it has the magical realism elements because that's what the story called for. It wasn't like I, I made a conscious effort to write a book that had, you know, that was a little, had mm -hmm. some berry dust in it. Um, so I, what I tried to do was write a, a Tia Williams novel that just had some seasoning. Ooh, as oh, I like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for example, I was a huge Game of Thrones person, but I don't, I'm not really into fantasy, you know, and I loved Game of Thrones because it was like, yeah, there's a dragon back there, but this is really a family saga, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like this is really a, a very grounded contemporary romance with just a little shimmy of, you know, enchantment. Did that so I wrote it, a shimmy of enchantment. So I, I wrote it and I write everything else. But I, you know, I just added, you know, a, a, an extra layer. That's the only way I could think about it and not lose my mind and get really yeah. nervous that I'm trying something new, you know? Yeah, that makes sense, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you didn't allow yourself, you didn't allow yourself to be intimidated by the idea of, oh my gosh, I'm dipping into a magical realism. No, because I felt like, like I didn't really face that I was dipping into magical realism. It was just like, oh no, it's just part of the story. It's not like I'm switching genres or embracing a new genre, it's just, there is a curse and one must write about it. Yes. <laughs> right. You didn't look it right in the face. You just kind of looked askance at it and wrote away. You know how it is the games we play with ourselves. Oh, gosh. We yeah. fool ourselves. Yeah. 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 So Tia Langston Hughes' iconic 
what happens to a dream deferred. Factors in early on in this novel, in Breeze's historical storyline, you say, he was drunk on the promise of New York City. He wanted it all. And in Ricky's present day storyline, the first time she sees a photo of what will become her flower shop, you write, instantly she felt a physical pull, an insistent tingle in her chest. So what we're getting at here is that this novel is an epic love story, to be sure, but it also felt like a love letter to anyone mm -hmm. out there who has a big, scary, crazy dream and decides to go for it, which I think we've all done with our writing career. We've talked about it before, what, you know, just taking that chance. So do you agree with that? And if so, did you intend for that to become the theme of this novel or one of the themes? I did. Yeah. And I, and I also intended for Ricky and Ezra's stories to parallel each other. Mm -hmm. um, they're both from the South. They were both born into circumstances that did not feel sustainable to them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, they were both artists um, in a situation that they didn't feel like they could fully express their creativity. So they moved to Har Harlem specifically. Um, yeah, so I, what I really wanted to think about, especially in terms of Ricky, is this idea of Black excellence, which okay. the whole reason you know, the discussion of black excellence ever happened was because for so long it was assumed that there was no black excellence. We were just symbols of oppression and that was it, which is a good thing. But then on the flip side of it, it can be very limiting. It can be there can, the, the definition of what makes black excellence, black excellence can be very narrow. Um, and growing up in a family that's very, you know, um, traditional, the idea of opening a flower shop is like, why would you embarrass us like that? Like, why <laughs> would you, what is that? That's for someone who doesn't have any other options. That feels worth it. It's so frivolous. It's yeah. frivolous. It's silly, like, uh, you know, and she breaks away from all that and defines what excellence is on her own terms. And I also think a lot of you know, the younger generations are really doing that. You know, the yeah. Yeah. the elder millennials and Gen Xs and, you know, like we all kind of felt like, okay, we have to go in this, you know, we have to go to the right school. We have to do the right thing. You know, we have to, you know, or else our lives won't be meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I'm a very by the book kind of person who doesn't, unfortunately, I'm breaking this down with my therapist currently, but <laughs> I don't and love with us. And with us, we're, we're very, we're very good at this. I don't love to try things that I don't already know I'll be good at. Yeah. Um, amen. You know, <laughs> and I wanted to write a character who was the opposite of me. Who's just like flies off and, you know, follows her dreams without overthinking and, you know, all of that. So. That's a long-winded answer. No, no, that is. No, the thing that you said that I thought was so interesting that like really struck me that I hadn't really thought of is when Ricky's talking about her sisters and she's like, you know, how they were the first black everything, like the first black president of the junior league and the first black this and that whatever, and like she wasn't doing that, so she's like not living up to the standard 
even mm-hmm. though she's out doing this amazing thing and has this huge talent, but it's like no one's recognizing her for doing that. And anyway, that just I, that was like something I read a couple of times. It's like, oh wow, that's like really impactful. Yeah, that's my life. Like I was always the you know first black lifestyle editor at the UVA Cavalier Daily newspaper, the the only black kid in the gifted and talented English program, the first black beauty editor at Glamour. Like it's always, you know, breaking barriers and everything is so heavy. And like I, 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 you know, setting an example for my entire race. And that is exhausting. It's a lot to carry. It's a lot to carry. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Tia, you've been a really important and outspoken voice over the past few years advocating for Black romance novels. Would you talk a little bit about why it's so important for Black love stories to be told and how amazing it is that all of a sudden we really do have this flourishing, right, of great Black romance? It's amazing. Um, Yeah, it's important. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, first of all, the whole reason I'm in, I'm a romance writer, it's all my mom's fault. She was obsessed with 80s paperback romances. I feel like I might have told you guys this last time I was on, but like in my parents' bathroom, she had a pile of like Kathleen Woodowis, Jude Devereaux, like all of the names, you know. And uh, um, they were always fat because they were, they would get swollen because of the- (laughs) In the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Me and my sisters would open them up and they would fall open to the sex scenes. And we thought it was <laughs> hilarious. And we would re- and we just got, we loved them. I was so like, romance novels taught me how to write. Like I loved them, but they were all extremely white, except for Beverly Jenkins. You know, but it was always a, well, but there's this one author and, you know, yeah. and she was later. Um, and so as I'm reading those books, and I was really into like glamour fiction, like Jackie Collins and yeah. Judith France and Harold Robbins. And again, completely monochromatic. And I would cast the characters in my head as like black people, like either that I knew or actors or even like the singers. Um, when I was reading Wuthering Heights, Heathcliff um, in my head was the lead singer of New Edition. I shouldn't have to do that. And so no, even back then, I knew, I always knew that what I wanted to do was grow up and write love stories starring us, because we're not the black versions of anything. We are ourselves, you know. Right. Um, and we have humanity outside of suffering and oppression. So that's why it's very, very important and so special to me to see how, see the industry become so diverse and um, to have black romance be um, really celebrated now. And you, there's such a variety of authors. Um, it's so exciting. Well, name us, name some of the ones that you love to tell people, hey, I'm not the only one. Okay. Um, I love Kennedy Ryan. I was just thinking about her. Yeah, she's so good. Um, Talia Hibbert, Jasmine Guillory, um, Alyssa Cole does amazing historical romance. Um, uh, Rebecca Woods. That's a great list. I was like, that's okay, a good. small list. 
And that is you know, I'm an author and I'm like, uh, like I just go blank. So I'm afraid that was great. <laughs> yeah. I usually do too. So I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, it's moment. like I've never <laughs> read a book. Like, what is that? <laughs> Don't know her. What are you loving lately? Um, uh, like, uh, like what? it's ridiculous. I know. Okay. So Tia Harlem absolutely comes to life in this novel, both the Harlem of today and the Harlem of the Renaissance era that has really long captured people's mm. hearts and imaginations. So can you tell us why you decided to set this book in Harlem? Or was it just as not, I mean, not as simple, as simple as, and, and as complex as, it came to me in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, it did come to me in the middle of the night. Um, a, a couple reasons. So I've always loved the Harlem Renaissance and I never really been interested in writing a, a 100% historical sure. fiction. Um, and so I've always wanted to incorporate that era somehow, but it was hard to figure out how to do it. And it just was perfect in this story to have these flashbacks. And then the other thing is I'm a Brooklyn writer. And if you're, if you don't live in New York, this doesn't make any sense, but I was like, I should, I should expand, you know, I should do a different place. Harlem. That's, that's perfect. That's for, because Harlem and Brooklyn are so far away in New York, like two New Yorkers. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so far on the train. It's <laughs> you even the people are different. Like, um, I once stayed at a guy so that lived far on the train. <laughs> it is. I was like, we're, we're, this is a long distance relationship. And I lived in New York for 27 years, and I've only been to Harlem like five times. And that's wow. for touristy kind of things. Like, it really is far. Um, so I was interested in setting it somewhere different than Brooklyn. So I found this. Uh, actual speakeasy map of Harlem of like 1920s Harlem. And it had a map of all the cabarets and where the famous people lived and where everybody ate, you know, after hours. And like, so I went all around to find these spots and it was like, oh my God, it's a, this place is a Walgreens now. Oh, wow. You know, or like I'm walking down the street and I'll just see this, obscure plaque on the side of some office building that'll be like, oh, by the way, Billy Holiday was discovered here in 1928. Oh, wow. You know, have a good day. <laughs> it's just like, oh. <laughs> I wish you had written this down. I wish I had written this down. But what was that line in the book where you say it's like, it's like a city within a city or a, like you, you yeah, like Pompeii. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it feels like a city built on top of a city and sometimes yeah. and that's why I wanted it to take place during a leap year like leap month because people say that uh, in the leap month the veil between this world and the other world is thin and so things can seep in and out so it kind of feels like you know the past is mingling with the present um yeah it's very interesting there was just this huge um piece in the New York Times about the Harlem Renaissance. Did you see that last yes, week? Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so fascinating. Amazing. So I know, so obviously it's kind of in the consciousness. They had mm -hmm. the most amazing photos. And so you definitely like broke something <laughs> open. 
So you told us, but you also told Good Morning America that this book was full of what you just mentioned, leap year magic and voodoo magic. So I'm in the South. I'm in Alabama. There's some good voodoo going on. So both of which were particularly fascinating elements. Aside from seeing Harlem in two different time periods, tell us about your inspiration for deciding to include those two things. Well, I... I'm so into voodoo. My, so my mom's family is from Louisiana. They're Creole. Um, and it's kind of in our blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, voodoo and and hoodoo, which is really, you know, um, uh, uh, what do I want to say? Like botany science, you know, really. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm just fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by voodoo's history in America. Um, how it mingles with, you know, it's West African spiritualism mingled with Catholicism and how it can be used for good, but also evil. Um, And how it's gotten such a bad rap in this country because it was something that white people were afraid of. They didn't really know what the enslaved African population was saying or doing with this voodoo stuff. So let's market it as scary. And it really actually isn't. It's 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 a beautiful um, cultural spirituality. And so then I was like, and I'm doing it such a great disservice by using it for evil in this book. <laughs> um, but that's why I had Eva Mercy show up and kind of give a little explanation. Awesome. So there seems a connection between the mystical magic, what you're talking about, and then, and you just kind of referred to this in hoodoo, but the more grounded magic of flowers and blooms and the natural world. Talk to us about that magic of the living world along with this, that that kind of braids together in the story. So the flowers not- and the blooms and the- Yeah. I didn't grow up in a flower house. So I don't know the names of flowers. Like I grew up knowing a rose and a carnation, you know, but I, when I was working at Estee Lauder companies, I had to write um, a lot of ad copy, campaign copy for perfumes. And to do that, you obviously need to understand how perfumes work and the notes and all that and have a a familiarity with how it all comes together. And so once a week, I would be on calls with these Paris fragrance houses, having them explain in these delicious, like lofty, romantic um, stories about how these different flowers were cultivated, where they're where they're grown, what season they grow in, and what properties they have. And um, so I started getting an understanding of like the natural world, and I was working with a perfume. The main note was night blooming jasmine. And I had never heard of this before. Uh, yeah. And there the per, the Parisian folks are explaining to me that it's this flower that's asleep all day and then wakes up at midnight and is open all night and releases the most heady, intoxicating scent. Like you get drunk off of it. And then it closes back up when the sun comes up. And I was like, who that is the most romantic intense thing <laughs> I've ever heard. I was like, yes. Whenever I write my next novel, my uh, protagonist is going to be uh, a florist. Um, there's so much magic in the natural world. And, yeah. you know, I, I interviewed a lot of florists um, 
floral designers, gardeners. Um, and I just learned, you know, a lot of people in that industry feel like flowers are kind, kind of have a heartbeat, you know, you sing to them, you, you know, play music for them. They respond. Um, I don't know. I just, I think, and, and then I also grew up with this superstition that if flower, if your plants are dying in your house, it's because someone put a curse on you and they oh. the plants. Of course you got to water it. The plants took on the curse and that's why oh, they're died. They died. They were protecting you. Wow. I need some more plants just in case. Right. So I love flower <laughs> arranging. I really love it. I'm not that good at it, but I love it. And I feel guilty if I break one of the heads off by accident when I'm putting it in an arrangement. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so like, and then I try to put in like a bowl of water. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. Well, Tia, we have a lot of great questions and comments coming in. So I wanted to read some of our viewer comments before we get to their questions. So Maria Lou says she just started the audiobook this morning and only has three and a half hours left. And wow, she is loving it. And Mary Vasquez says, thanks for coming back. And she's glad we didn't scare you off the first time. So we'll try not to be personally offended by that. <laughs> I know. Um, God, Mary, what do you think we do to people? This is really beautiful. So I have to read this too. So Mary also said, I've been drunk on the promise of New York City my whole life. Oh, I love that. Um, Susan Seligman wants you to know the library where she works cannot keep this book on the shelves. And Barbara Wojcik says the bookstore where she works, which is page 158 in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Shout out to page 158. We love them. Um, it's already sold out of the book. So I just met someone from um, page 150, 158. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the um, uh, Winter Institute. Oh, I thought it was Sue, Lucy. Or Dave. Anyway, that's awesome. That's a great name, but yeah, they're cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you met a lot of books. <laughs> um, all right. Kristen, do you want to pull a question? Yeah, absolutely. So Pat Stuckey, who's watching on YouTube, says, Tia, was it hard or scary to leave your magazine or beauty jobs to devote yourself to writing? Well, that's a good question. Um, I actually didn't until about a year and a half ago. Um, I've always done both at the same time, which is really hard and tiring. <laughs> um, so I had finally gotten to a place where I was like, oh, you know, maybe I can do this full time now. Shit. And I left about a year and a half ago and I've been primarily authoring since then. Um, and actually it was scary, but the thing that was the most scary about it was I was um, a single mom for a while and you get single mom sort of anxiety, you know, like I, are the bills going to be, everything's going to be fine. Right. Yes. Um, so that was, that was my hesitation, but again, working it out in your feet. I, okay. And, and here, here. I'm, yes. and the, here. Life, the life coach in this book, like should have her in spinoff. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Okay. Um, Francine Katzen wants to know, Tia, what are you working on for your next book? Oh, um, so in seven days in June, um, my protagonist, Eva, has a 12-year-old daughter named Audrey, and she was a big fan favorite. And so 
three weeks ago, I just turned in my next novel, which is YA, and it's starring Audrey as a 16-year-old. Oh, cool. That's really exciting. It's so fun. That's really exciting. And it's a you're doing it again, like trying something new. Mm-hmm. Tia, you're just like a groundbreaker. All right. <laughs> so, what are your your um your lab rat for this? Yes. And you know, I'm always like, you know, listening in on her and her friends, like at summer parties and stuff. And I'll pop my head in and be like, Do you uh, do consent to use this, please? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Make me famous. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, that's awesome. Just pl- just promise them some Sephora and they'll do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anything for Sephora. Listen, it is, yeah. That's all they care about right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's my 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 Molly who's 14 is the same way. Sephora. Oh, so you know. Yeah. Mine's 15. Yeah. And the most expensive stuff at Sephora, too. It's like Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Not> <laughs> like, I walk in there and I'm like, God, it's so much perfume. <laughs> and I'm so overwhelmed about, you know. All right. Maria Lou wants to know if it was always planned to have this book come out during a leap year since that's part of the plot. Or did that just happen to be lucky and magical? Well, the funny <laughs> thing is it was always going to take place in February 2024. That was always when it was set. Oh, the book okay. itself was supposed to come out last summer. So the only reason that it came out at this time was because I couldn't make my deadline. Oh. So it was magic. We know it was magic. That's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. It was perfect. Um, okay. So Meg Walker, our, um, our uh, cat corraler slash managing director, <laughs> wants to know about your adaptations. Um, and she wants to know if you have had involvement in your adaptations and if you have any like dream casting for this one. Um, so um, my novel, The Perfect Fine was adapted uh, to film. It came out last June on Netflix with Gabrielle Union mm-hmm. and Keith Powers and it was amazing, but I didn't have anything to do with that adaptation. Okay. With Seven Days in June, I'm gonna be one of the executive producers yeah, and it's gonna be a TV series. So. Um, we haven't gotten to production yet. We do know that it will be on Amazon Prime, which is exciting. Um, casting, okay, for sh- uh, for Seven Days in June or for Ricky Wild, either either one, whatever you want, or both. Okay. Well, for well, and if you and if you don't want to talk about Seven Days in June because you like kind of know some things, then that you can okay for it. Ricky Wild for Ezra. The male protagonist. I see. Have you guys ever watched anything with Denzel Washington's son? John no, his, his son. No, no. I, no. Fantastic. Wow. Doesn't look like him, but sounds exactly like him. Really? That's Very, interesting. Yeah. Those are some good genes. So yeah, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, for the. Uh, actress, I was. Did any of you guys watch Love Lovecraft Country? No. no. Oh, okay. This actress named Journey Smollett, who I love very much. Great. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. I'm just gonna watch it. What yeah. is it called? I didn't. Love Lovecraft Country. 
it was like a horror series. I can't remember if it was on HBO. Max. If it was horror, I skipped it. Yeah, I have to oh, watch what? like. La la la. <laughs> <laughs> la 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 shows. La, la, la. It's a very literary term. Well, very but I got it. Technical insider. <laughs> you all know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Tia, I think we could talk to you all night. Um, we just want to thank you so much for being with us on Friends of Fiction tonight. But before we let you go, we know that um, some of our community has already come out to see you um, at some of your amazing events. So can you let us know where they can find you on the road and online in the coming weeks? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be in Tucson. I'll be in San Diego. Um, Indianapolis, and you can find all this on um, the, the link in my bio in Instagram. It, I have my tour schedule. Uh, my Instagram is Tia Williams Writes, so everything is there. And I hope I'll see you guys on the road. Oh, I hope awesome. so. Well, I know the Friends in Fiction book club swarmed you in Savannah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Oh my god, I wish I'd had an extra day in Savannah just to eat. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back. Yeah. Come back, and I'll show you. I'll show you the town. Okay. <laughs> I heard about the gray. Yes. Oh, the gray is awesome. Yeah, the old Greyhound sure. station. Yeah. Okay. You gotta do Next it. Time. Especially if you if your family is from the Louisiana, um, you know oysters are kind of their their thing there. Okay. <laughs> I, I need to get. Back. Yeah, we have a book. We have a book by them over here. Yeah, yeah. my bookshelf, black, yeah. white, and the gray. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Now that we have had the pleasure of hearing from Tia, and by the way, you guys are going to have to um, sign up for our newsletter because that's where you can see the green room sh where she tells us all the beauty stuff. Beauty. <laughs> next time, wait till you wait till you see us next week. We are we'll going to be, be glowed up. Yeah, we'll be glowed up next time you see us. Yeah. Yeah. Glowed up, exfoliating and glowing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> now that you've had the pleasure of meeting Tia and hearing from her, we encourage you to rush out and order your copies of a lug song for Ricky Wilde. The perfect place to order it is the Friends and Fiction shop on bookshop.org. Not only do you get the book at a discount, but you'll be supporting this show and our beloved independent booksellers nationwide. And Tia. And Tia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, Tia, thank you so much for being here tonight. We appreciate thank it. You. Yes, thank you. You are a pure delight. Thanks I hope our paths cross again in, in person. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Good thank night. You. Good night, Tia. All right, y'all. Before we wrap up, um, first of all, stick around. We're going to have a super quick after show. But before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you about the Friends in Fiction newsletter. This week, we will have two issues. Our regular free issue went out today and it included book racks from each of us, links to watch or listen to current shows and news about our merch, subscription box, and book club. On Friday, we'll send out an issue to our paid subscribers and we have such great content planned for this issue, including what MKA mentioned, some exclusive video footage with Tia that we captured in the green room, a bonus Q&A with Tia where she talks about her writing influences and other fun stuff we didn't get to on the show. So visit our website for the link to sign up and Meg will also share a link in the comments. We hope that you'll subscribe. We also hope you will follow us on Instagram, where we have a lot of fun, and join our Facebook group that is now 
a quarter million members. I remember celebrating when we were like, we have a thousand. Find links to our socials at friendsandfiction.com where you can stay abreast of all our upcoming guest lineup and in-person events and our merch and our book subscription and all of it. And I want to talk to you for one more second about that subscription box because we just got samples of the free gift that is going to come with the subscription box. So tonight is the big reveal. So we have made up the cutest eight and a half by 11 canvas zipper pouch that says my weekend is booked with friends and fiction. The size is perfect for you to take a paperback and maybe a couple personal items to the beach or the pool or wherever you're headed this summer. It's a great little clutch size. Um, The only place to get this pouch is with our 2024 subscription box from Oxford Exchange, which um, will come first with Mary Kay Andrews' brand new book, a signed first edition. Um, And then there'll be a signed first edition of my book. And you can also add on the paperbacks of Patty and Kristen's books, which you're definitely going to want to do, obviously. So make sure you have have the hard covers. Yeah. (laughs) And did someone say live in-person events where we all get to be together and hang out and have a blast and celebrate. Well, okay, get out your pens and your papers and mark your calendars, people, because we have two epic Friends in Fiction live launch events on the docket for this summer. The four of us, plus Ron and Meg, and can we say, I think even Sean might show up at one. That's a rumor. I know, I know. I read <laughs> Heard it from a friend. You heard it from a friend, but I don't <laughs> heard it from a friend. So we will all be in Neptune Beach, Florida. That is Neptune Beach, Florida. And if you don't know where that is, it's near Jacksonville. On Sunday, May 5th, for a 3 o'clock p.m. event to celebrate the launch of Mary Kay's Summers at the Saint. Indie Bookstore, the bookmark, will have a ticketing link up soon. Then on Friday, June 28th, We'll be together again in a swing the pendulum to <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri, where the big launch for Christie's A Happier Light. So stay tuned for a ticketing link coming soon. But for now, block up those dates with big stars May 5th and June 28th so you can meet up with us for all of the fun. Definitely. And we've got details on our website, too, about the Friends in Fiction Official Book Club with Brenda and Lisa. We hope you're following them on their separate Facebook page and Instagram feed. Join them for their next online discussion on Monday, March 18th, live on their Facebook page at 7 p.m. when they will be discussing a love song with Ricky for Ricky Wilde with Tia herself. To all of our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you love the Friends in Fiction show, we hope you'll leave a rating or review. And remember to tell a friend. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can catch all of our back episodes and you'll never miss a thing. When you subscribe to our podcast, you can listen at home or on the go. It's like having friends in fiction with you in your pocket. You can take us with you anywhere. And we we love to go places. So it works we out love for it. us too. Obviously, <laughs> Neptune Beach, St. Louis. I mean, we're everywhere. So be sure to tune in next week. Be sure to tune in next week as Patty and Kristen sit down with Pulitzer Prize finalist Tommy Orange. We all have one. We're all Pulitzer finalists, right? To discuss an exciting new novel, Wandering Stars. You can catch that interview airing in video format at 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, February 28th on the Friends of Fiction Facebook page and YouTube channel. And it will be posted on our podcast for your listening pleasure on Friday, March 1st. 
So thank you everyone. Good night, but also hang around because we're going to just do a super quick after show. See you in a minute. See you in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> what a great guest. Oh, she oh, was my lovely. Yeah. Gosh, she's such a delight. She yeah, is. Fun. She really is. She's a great interview. Okay. So Kristen, tell everybody where you are right now. I am in a hotel room in Dallas because I am. Oh, we st- thought we redecorated your house. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I know. This is way better looking than my house. Um, <laughs> no, I, I am. <laughs> true. True. True story. Um, yeah. I'm speaking at the Highlands Park Literary Festival tomorrow, which I'm excited about. Um, it, it's it's in the suburbs of Dallas. And when I was invited to do this, I thought I was just speaking at the evening event, which is open to the community. But the whole purpose of this literary festival is to bring this awesome thing to the high school kids at Highland Park High School. Awesome. So it, it, like, on, so I'm speaking to a high school assembly tomorrow, but on Friday, they have like 30 other writers and screenwriters and poets and artists and photographers and publicists. And I mean, if, if it's a creative field, they will be there. There's like oh, 30 fun. people coming to teach workshops to these kids. So um, awesome. I'm just in awe of like what a wonderful experience it's going to be for these kids. And they do it every year. That's that's so, right. So do you know what you're going to talk to them about? I do. I have a big fat speech yeah. printed out. I have a, I even did a PowerPoint, Christy. You'd be so proud of me. You did not. I'm so <laughs> impressed. Okay, Christy. <laughs> Please, 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 because I've told like five people because I thought this was like the funniest thing that you'd ever said. Um, please tell the it's please tell everyone what you told me about um about about Ben Affleck. <laughs> That's all I can say without telling your story. Oh, oh, just oh, where I was talking about how I used to speak to kids a lot because I had a couple of young adult books come out in 2008 and 2009, which um actually I felt like was just like a couple of years ago, but actually that was kind of a while ago. Well, when I went and spoke about those books to high school kids, all of my references for working at People Magazine, like four, four or five years before, were current. And I could say like, oh, yeah, like I've hung out with Ben Affleck and like I've hung out with Matthew McConaughey. And, you know, anyone I named was cool. And it was occurring to me as I was writing this speech that like all of the references are from before they were born. <laughs> so it's just and it, except Ben Affleck, who they might know from the Dunkin Donuts. Commercial. I was going to say. Don't was like, oh my God, like everyone knows him now from the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Like if you didn't, you know, if you're- Well, they or because of J-Lo, like well, that yeah. is ticket. It was just this terrible moment of like, oh my goodness, I'm old. Like, when did that happen? Like my references are a, a generation out of date. Like, no, it's so crazy how that happens. <laughs> no, I'm going to talk to you about that's Domino. You know? <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Okay, Kathy, do you have any travel coming up? I am going to be at the Southwest Florida um, Book Festival next weekend. Yeah, but oh, Tom and I are, Mr. MKA and I are going down for a little extra sun. Yeah, um, okay. yeah we're going down uh, Monday and we're going to um, stay. I wanted to go back to Sanibel, which I love, but they are still recovering from the hurricane. So nice. we're going to, yeah, we're going to stay um, around um, Sarasota. Okay. And um, I have promised myself I will lounge with now with a lot of SPF after what I yeah. know. No, yeah. don't give away what Tia said. That I'm not giving away our secrets. <laughs> you want, you want those secrets? You got to go. You got to jack it up to the paid substance. <laughs> right. right. You got to hit the button. So we're going to be close because Patty and I are going to be. Uh, is it is it just called the Stuart Florida Book Festival that we're going to be at? No, it's called Bookmarks. Bookmarks. You're going to be on the other coast. Yeah. Yeah. The one that we're going to do now is for me. Isn't that crazy? 
Bookmania. 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 Mania. I was like, it's not bookmark. Bookmania. Yeah. Bookmania. Yeah. Yeah. You just get that dubious look I've seen before. Bookmania. No, I was like, is that right? No, I just I it wasn't dubious at you. It was dubious at me because I like what is that called? We are together next weekend and I'm with Kristen this weekend. Yeah. She's coming yeah. to my city to speak in Burma, in Hoover, Alabama. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna see places. it tomorrow, Patty. I'm so excited. I know. We'll we'll be on the opposite coast from each other, tragically. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be in the middle of the state, like bridging the gap. Yeah. I be Right. All like you always do, Chris. As always, you do. the glue that holds us together at every turn. <laughs> the bridge between us. That's your thing. The bridge. I, I'm going to hopefully go check in on our our friends um, at Macintosh Books. They're rebuilding, and so oh, um, good. I want to check. We're thinking about them. Yeah, I want to check in with Rebecca, our friend at uh, Copperfish, and um, just chill. I guess I have to come up with a speech, though. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you have some. <laughs> I'm assuming. I, you know, I usually just wing it. Mm -hmm. You have some material, so. Yeah. I do have some material. Not a problem. I definitely have some material. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm really looking forward to some sustained sunshine. Mm -hmm. was I am too. here today. I, I it I actually like kind of laid out on like my top porch because it was so don't yeah, it was gorgeous today. <laughs> I, I feel took like Minnie for an extra long walk today because it was like I felt like okay, there's hope. But you know what'll happen? All the daffodils, all these aliens, they're all gonna pop out, and then we're gonna in like right. two weeks we're gonna get a hard freeze. Yep. And I'm not gonna be able to look because the flowers will die. Well, I told Patty that I already warned her that like I'm super pale and at my winter weight, but I will be in my bathing suit and Stuart and that that is happening. So she needs to prepare accordingly. And I'm going to plop right down next to her. Not for my <laughs> talk good. portion. I will not wear my bathing suit for the talk portion. You could. The three of you could. I will be um, calf tanning it when I get to Florida. Calf tanning is good. Calf tanning is 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 sort of a the thing we do. Meg just said for the bathing suit competition portion of the book festival. Right. And Sean well, said he'd be our cabana boy, which he don't worry, you're gonna be. Yeah. When we get to Neptune Beats, he's yeah. definitely gonna be our our for real. I think I remember that they actually have cabanas at the hotel there. They do. They're take really a picture pretty. of They're him like in one. Blue and white stripe. Yeah, yeah. Ocean Ocean One is that the name of the hotel, Meg, that we stay at? I'm not telling. We're not telling people where we. Oh, stay. Kristen's internet is going out, but look how pretty she's frozen. I, I know she's I, okay. I, mean, I would be like. I, I usually I. All right, well, no, no, it's it's a political I love you all. This was a great show. I can't wait to see this everyone in person show. soon. And oh, Joan Skinner says she'll see you in Fort Myers, Kathy. Oh, good, good. Can't awesome. wait. All right. Good night, everybody. Day. Thanks for coming. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.